Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Hey, great to have you tuning in tonight in half an hour. Eskimos head coach Jason Moss in studio with Morley Scott. Morley did the play-by-play yesterday here on 630 Chet for the Eskimos 42-24 win in Montreal. So the green and gold are now 8-6. and six. Here's the deal. They are very close to clinching a playoff spot. First of all, if Edmonton uh, wins and BC loses, Edmonton will clinch at least a crossover. They'll they'll be either fourth or third in the West, depending on what happens with Saskatchewan. Hamilton basically needs to win out and have Edmonton lose out to uh, get third in the East and prevent the crossover. So if Hamilton loses a game or Edmonton wins a game, there's going to be a crossover. Here's the remaining schedules. The Eskimos are home to Toronto on Saturday. Then they're at BC home to Calgary, at Saskatchewan. BC is at Winnipeg, home to Edmonton, at Winnipeg again, and then uh, home to Toronto. So basically the Eskimos' magic number, assuming Hamilton's going to lose a game, basically the Eskimos' magic number is two. Then they get in. Then they then they then they get in, and then we see where they finish, where they go. I, I mean, they're not going to get a home game at this point, so we're talking third in the West or becoming... There were, yeah, we're talking third in the West or becoming the third-place team in the East through the crossover. Eskimos and Argos, Saturday, 3.30 for the countdown to kickoff here on Ched, 5 o'clock for the start of the game. Then at 8, Furnace Family Oilers Hockey as the Oilers host the Senators. You know, Furnace Family, Edmonton's Furnace Replacement Experts, call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. So uh, we got the doubleheader. We'll have the Eskimos uh, pregame, the Eskimos game. We'll go straight into the Oilers play-by-play and then overtime open line on Saturday. That'll be a fun day of sports here on 6.30 Chet. As for what's going on in the NHL tonight, first period, Stars lead the Red Wings 1-0. After one, Predators lead the Flyers 1-0. In the second period, Blackhawks 3, Canadians 1 in the third, scoreless Blue Jackets and Hurricanes. Blues are up 2-1 on the Rangers. Still to come, Senators at the Canucks, Coyotes at the Golden Knights. First regular season game in Vegas. Ed Brian Blessing on our face-off show last night. He's the host of the Vegas Hockey Hotline on AM 1400, and he said they're going to save all the glitz and the glamour for Friday given the, the shootings last weekend and uh, basically honor first responders and and, uh, be respectful towards the victims tonight in Vegas. So obviously that is the right call. Jaden texting in to 630-630. He says, hey, Reed, people just need to sit back and relax. The Oilers need to figure out their recipe for success and how they did things last year. Connor and Leon will wake up and kick serious butt in the near future. Everybody's going to contribute. The Oilers will be fine. 
D says, hey, Reed, what have the first three games shown me that some of the players on the Oilers didn't come ready to play? From Dreisaitl making a bad turnover at Winnipeg's blue line to the two defensemen who back right up to the hash marks to Cam Talbot who gets beat clean twice in the same game. Clefbaum should have tied up the stick on Ehlers' goal on the two-on-one instead of trying to intercept the pass. McClellan had the lines blended so much in the preseason, no one was used to each other. Connor McDavid must learn to dominate every game in both ends and not let Vancouver, for example, take him out of the game. It may not be fair, but being a generational player comes with high expectations. It's still early, but I'm not impressed so far. That is a text coming in from D, who uh, pretty thorough in his criticism of the team. I would say uh, most of that pretty fair. Um, I mean, Talbot, I, I, I would be more critical of his game in Vancouver. I, I think last night Winnipeg had a lot of open looks. Now, I know they're called saves. That's the one thing I always say. They're called saves for a reason. you got to help out your team. But uh, I don't think Talbot was getting a lot of assistance last night. Head coach Todd McClellan. A little more from him. I don't think we remembered how hard it was to win. And I, I, I've experienced this in the past where... You have to understand how hard it is, how hard it was to check. Our guys don't get that yet. They can't remember what it felt like in in San Jose and in Anaheim. Um, you know, when you're winning 2-1 and you don't have to cheat to win the game, you can be patient enough. Our guys aren't, we don't have that yet. So, well, there you go. That's a really good comment. And McClellan has said he's been through this before where teams are coming off a decent season, never won the Stanley Cup in San Jose, but they had a lot of good regular seasons. How are you going to react going into the next year? And we talked a little bit about impatience, and I think we saw that from the Oilers, maybe going out there and think they, they're thinking they could light it out, not committing to the details, not committing to saying, all right, this might take 60 minutes to figure it out. We don't know when the big goal is going to come, but we're going to commit and trust that if we commit, they're going to get it. They haven't had that mentality yet. So that'll be some storylines for the Oilers as we move along. Back at practice tomorrow, they did not skate today. Hey, this is really cool. I want to welcome Northern Chicken to the show. Uh, Some guests on Inside Sports will get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down south comfort food to Edmonton with Southern Classics and other tasty treats. You can salivate over the menu at northernchickenyeg.com. And this is a great, uh, still relatively new, locally owned restaurant it is not a chain it's uh two western canadian guys who put this together they're at 124th street just north of 107th ave basically right next to where the old uh roxley unfortunately burnt down a couple of years ago and it's great homemade food fried chicken sandwiches great place to to hang out not pretentious you can get takeout if you want so we welcome northern chicken on board and some uh, some guests on the show will get gc's to northern chicken we will visit the farm team in bakersfield when we get back head coach jerry fleming coming up on inside sports This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Riley, uh, very minor by the sounds of it, uh, injury yesterday in uh, Montreal. Head coach Jason Moss coming up with Morley Scott after the 730 news. We're going to get to Jerry Fleming, head coach of the Oilers farm team in Bakersfield, right away. But first, I got about a minute for Ralph to get his thoughts out on the open line. Ralph, fire away. Real quick, Reed. 
Um, I'm really excited that we have Connor and Leon, but there seems to be a mantra floating around the airwaves in Edmonton that we're going to be fine because we have Connor and Leon. And I'd like to remind Oilers fans that we had Connor and Leon two years ago when we finished 27th or 28th in the league. And I know there's been some personnel added, but there's also been some personnel subtracted. And you could actually argue that that team was more offensively gifted than the one we currently have now with the likes of Eberle and Taylor Hall. So my question is, in my opinion, Andre Sekar is actually the most complete defenseman that we have in our lineup. And if we don't know a hard date and when he's coming back, how much longer do you think Peter Chiarelli is going to let this play or this sort of record continue before he has to make a trade? Because an ACL injury isn't just something you come back and jump right into the lineup, especially middle of the season, if that's when he's scheduled to return. Yeah, well, he's probably going to be back late November at the very, very earliest. Could could more likely be into January. Uh, I, I would think if this if things really spiral out of control, like they're five and twelve, then yes, he he would probably do something. The, 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 I guess my counter to that, Ralph, and, and you make a good point, but my counter to that is you're not acquiring a defenseman of anywhere near Sekera's caliber in October or November, right? So I think he's he's trusting this group and his coaching staff as as much as he can, and, and then and then Sekera will come back. I mean, he said he saw growth from players last year, and he wanted them to continue to have a chance to grow without parachuting guys ahead of them on the depth chart. That seems to be his approach, but I'm sure if things spiral out of control, he'll make a deal. I think at 5-12, and 12, it's already too late, though, Reed. Well, yeah, that would be pretty late because then you're you're scratching just to get back to 500, let alone trying to make a playoffs. So you you think they need to trade for somebody right now? I mean, who are you going to get though? I would say at the end of that road trip, if they come back any less than, uh, I mean, you 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 made a pretty astute point. Carolina's playing well. Ottawa's a good team. Surely Pittsburgh is a good team. Chicago's a very good team. There's a chance they could come back from those next two home games in that road trip uh, with a record of, what, 2-6 and six or 2-7. and seven. At that point, I think, actually, his hands are tied. He's got to make a deal. And I don't know who that may be. It's somebody from Vegas. Maybe it's somebody from a team that might have. Maybe maybe you go get a Ryan Murray. I don't know. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, the, 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 it is critical. Like, I'm not panicking right now, but you you can't be too far under 500 by the end of the month because then you're no. playing catch-up all year. Ralph, thanks for calling, okay? Yeah, have a good night. All right, Jerry Fleming is the head coach of the Oilers farm team, the Bakersfield Condors. Jerry, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Doing well, Ray. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, great to have you on the show. The Condors obviously got their season going on Friday, and, uh, man, I'm interested to hear you talk about this one. You, you've lost 4-1, unfortunately, yet 20 shots in the first period and outshot the Heat 42-23 overall. So to take us through this game, was it was this a hard goalie uh, shutting you down? Did you guys not finish as well? What happened in this one? Well, I think you, you got it both right. I think uh, we ran into a hot goalie in Gillies. He played really well. Uh, and there was times where we had some backdoor tap-ins where we just didn't execute the play, where we either fanned on it or mixed execute it. But the combination of the, the, the two, uh, you know, resulted in a loss for us. But uh, overall, we were pleased with the guys' performance. Obviously, we didn't get the results that we had anticipated. Um, but, uh, you know, we did a lot of good things, and there was a lot of positive uh, things to build on. 
I'm, I'm curious. You guys were 0 for 5 on the power play. Stockton was 1 for 6, so 11 power plays total. Um, is this the slashing standard that they're now trying to enforce in the AHL? Is, is this alive and well in the American Hockey League as well? Or what do you see there? Well, it wasn't to the extent that it is in the NHL. I thought we were a little bit undisciplined. There's another area of growth in our game that we got to work on a little bit. Um, you know, we let our emotions get the best of us. I think we're getting a little frustrated because the puck wasn't going in the net. Uh, some guys had some quality looks and were, were, you know, disappointed with the results. So I think they took their frustrations out a little bit uh, on Stockton. But uh, we addressed it this week, and it's an area that we have to improve on, no doubt. All right. Uh, you know, again, just reading off the box score, you had Slepeshev with six shots. He's back up with the Oilers. Joey Laleja also six shots on goal. And I, I know we've talked about him before, but but he is writing a pretty amazing story for himself with the position conversion, his attitude in handling that. And, uh, you know, seems to be one of your most dangerous players. Is he a guy you expect to, to get on the score sheet quite a bit this year? We're hoping. We're hoping he can uh, duplicate the season that he had last year. Um, you know, and credit to Joey. He, he, like you just mentioned, he had a great attitude. He uh, relished the challenge to uh, change positions, and uh, he he did a he did a great job. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, he can find that scoring touch again because we are relying on him uh, for a, for for a bit of our offense here this year. Who do you who do you plan on having on your? Uh, I know sometimes coaches don't like to label the lines one, two, three, or four. So let me put it this way: uh, What three guys, when you have your home opener on Thursday, do you anticipate will be on your most dangerous scoring line? Well, um, I, I think we have a balanced attack. Reed, uh, I think all three lines are capable of putting in on that. You've got uh, uh, Joey with Malone and Pulyarvi, and then you have Ratty. Uh, with Downing and Russell, and then on the third line, our so-called third line, you'd have Hamilton, Curry, and Callahan, and then our fourth line that's going into the weekend will be Gambardelli, Butcher, and Gust. So, you know, all guys that have throughout their career put up pretty good numbers wherever they've been, so we have a pretty balanced attack, so we're looking from scoring from all four lines. Okay, well, and, and some experience. Uh, it, what's it been like with the injection? Because free agency day for the Oilers, you know, wasn't about getting Secker or Lucic or Latestu like it was over the last two years. It, it was getting a lot of guys, uh, you know, who were on two-way deals and who have been AHL players maybe for, you know, large portions, if not all of their careers. What has the injection of its experience been like into your lineup? It's been good. You, you notice it in practice. Guys are challenging themselves in practice to make one another better. I, I think that comes with experience. You know, guys expect execution to be a, a, at a high-end level. Um, so just having that injection of guys to understand that, you know, how you practice and how you present yourself is the way that's going to carry over through a game. And the young guys are seeing that and starting to adopt that and starts from practice. Bakersfield Condors head coach Jerry Fleming joining us on Inside Sports. A couple specific guys. You mentioned Yessi Puglia-Yarvi, obviously uh, a first-round pick, a high first-round pick, so he's always going to have the spotlight on him and uh, spent half the year last year with you guys and and was with the Oilers for most of their training camp as well. Uh, How did he play in his first game, and and what have you seen uh, from, from his development, maybe from when you first got him last year? Yeah, he's definitely more mature than he was last year. I, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I just think that you know he's learned a lot from last year and has started to apply it to his game. Um, but I thought he played well the other night. You could see that he was invested in the game. 
Um, you know, he did a lot of good things with the puck. There's still things in his game that he needs to improve on, and that's why he's here without the puck. But you can see, like, uh, him starting to grasp the North American game, uh, starting to be more com- comfortable with the language, more comfortable with his surroundings. So hopefully, you know, he can just build off that game and, and continue to have some success here. You know, you mentioned the language, and, and hockey's an international sport. You know, you played, you've coached. As a coach, how do you deal with players who maybe uh, aren't as fluent in English as some of your North American guys? Do you, do, you, do, you, do you try to have another player of that nationality on the road? Like, you can't always control that, right? So how do you as a coach make sure you're getting a message apart when some guys might not be grasping everything you're saying initially? Well, it always helps when you have somebody that does speak English and speaks the language of the player that, you know, maybe isn't so fluent in that uh, in English, uh, you know, from the same country that can translate for you that, that you know, is a great asset to have. But like you just mentioned, it's not always the case. So what you have to do is you have to slow it down. Uh, you have to really, really, you know, um, sometimes not just by language, but you have to demonstrate and go through it and show video. Um, but Jesse's language uh, skills are, are, are really good. Uh, obviously, they've improved from uh, last year to this year. But, uh, you know, he, he has a good grasp of the language. He speaks it well. He articulates it well. Um, but there are some nuances of the language that he still, you know, struggles with. So just take your time with it. And, you know, we're trying to help him as much as we can to uh, make sure that there are no miscommunications. All right, and one other guy, Ethan Bear, picked up his first pro goal, your only goal in the game last week. High-scoring junior player, WHL Defenseman of the Year. Uh, you know, good for him to get on the scoreboard. Uh, how, do, how do you think he looked overall? He's been uh, he's probably been our best player, even in those two exhibition games that uh, that we played uh, prior to our season opener. Um, I thought he was. Uh, I thought he played outstanding. To be quite honest with you, um, you know, a lot of people like the offensive upside, but don't underestimate his ability to play without the puck and defend. Uh, he's smart. He closes time and space quickly. He takes good angles. You know, he does a lot of good things away from the puck that maybe people uh, don't notice as much because he's so offensively gifted that, uh, you know, they, they might not recognize or identify how well he is without the puck and in his D-zone positioning. He's sound. All right. Well, that's good to hear. Hey, Jerry, it's always great to catch up with you. All the best with the game coming up here on Thursday night. Hope you guys jump right into the win column. And we'll talk again soon. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Reid. Appreciate it. Bakersfield Condors coach Jerry Fleming. Next up, Eskimos coach Jason Moss with Morley Scott. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.